Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of Desi Books. News and views about Desi literature from the world over. I'm your host, Jenny Bart. Thank you for tuning in. Today, in the five Desi faves segment, we have Vidhu Agarwal, who has a hybrid poetry collection out titled Daughter Isotope. She's sharing her five favorite works of Desi punk, Desi futurism, and Desi fantastic works that engage in speculative poetics and alternative fantasy spaces. The transcript of this segment is also up on the website. Vidhu Agarwal's poetry and multimedia practices engage with world-building, video, and graphic media, drawing mythic schemas from popular culture, science, and ancient texts. Her poetry book, The Trouble with Humpadori, imagines a cosmic mythological space for marginalized transnational subjects. Avatar, a chapbook, is situated in a post-apocalyptic gaming world where AIs play at being gods. She's had works published in the Boston Review, Black Warrior Review, Asterix Journal, Pomelon, Leonardo, among other journals. She is currently engaging in a cloud poetics as a way of thinking about personal, collective, and digital archives as a collaborative process with comic artists, dancers, and video artists. Her latest book of poetry, Daughter Isotope, is out now. A Jirasi resident and Kundiman fellow, she teaches at Rollins College in Florida. Daughter Isotope is a book of hybrid poems that speak to multiple iterations of daughter tropes across generations, national borders, and timescales. A central question of the book is, what is a collective archive within a global, disparate, migrant cultural space? Daughter Isotope is organized in a series of four clouds, calling up the vague, penetrable borders of our digital lives, both searching and searchable. Throughout the manuscript, the poems operate as types of search engines that test the boundaries of often overlapping archives or clouds that make up diasporic experience. Starting with a series of poems based on the Mahabharat, an encyclopedic Sanskrit epic cloud about an apocalyptic war composed over centuries, the organization of the manuscript is based off of South Asian polyvocal storytelling traditions. Like Donna Haraway's Cyborg, 
a daughter gender could be seen as any child or subject under a rigid paternal order, whether Hindu nationalism or U.S. exceptionalism, whose filiation is in question. Dispersed throughout the manuscript are multiple versions or clouds of Draupadi, Emily Dickinson, Judy Garland, Krishna, Michael Jackson, and the aspirational figure of At a Girl, among other uncertain daughters. The poems interrogate the stability of various daughter genders through myth, online personas, computer gaming, nuclear physics, and artificial intelligence. And now, here's Vidhu Agarwal with her five Desi faves. Thank you, Jenny, Beth, for inviting me to reflect on my five fave South Asian writers. Thank you for giving me an impossible task. Since my love is vast and boundless, while there are many, many, many works by South Asian writers I admire, love, and keep by my bedside, Mani Rao's translation of the Bhagavad Gita, for instance, I'm going to highlight just a few writers who engage in world-building, speculative poetics, and alternative fantasy spaces from a diasporic perspective, like I do. I see my faves as sister text to my own book of poems, Daughter Isotope, which mixes myth and technology and crosses genre from science fiction to epic poetry. Any curation is selective, partial, incomplete. The works that I'm choosing, short stories, comics, poems, and hybrid narratives are written by first and second generation immigrants like myself in English. But I wanna make a quick shout out to the poets Monica Modi, Rajiv Mohabir, Parvi Shah, Arun Kalakhtar, and Saba Razmi, who are also doing or have done work in this mytho-poetic fabular vein. My first fave is Usman T. Malik's novella, The Pauper Prince and the Eucalyptus Gin, published by science fiction publisher Tor in 2015. Malik's protagonist, Salman, whose family lives in Florida, goes on a journey of ancestral discovery about his grandfather's life in post-partition Pakistan. As someone who lives in central Florida, I was instantly drawn to Orlando as a setting for the grandfather's tales which feel otherworldly to Salman. I can relate. I can say the same of the stories my parents told me growing up in Louisiana and Texas. I access them through this swampy remove as an American. I wonder if the swampy atmosphere of Central Florida also influenced Malik's rendering of the fantastic. After his Gramps' death, Salman, an academic in Boston, enters more deeply into the world of his grandfather Sharif's Cosmo vision. After reading his grandfather's diaries, Sal begins to see connections between scientific concepts such as Lichtenberg figures, 
These are patterns formed on surfaces such as skin from electrical discharges such as lightning and jinns from Islamic cosmology. In his Gramps diaries, jinns are not trickster genies like in 1001 Nights, but carriers of concealed memory of the organic mineral consciousness of human origins. Salman travels to Lahore, Pakistan, and finds not only his grandfather's jinn, but a, the concealed history of his grandfather's life as an artist, abandoned when he moves to the States. In Daughter Isotope, I too look at ancestral myths and mineral consciousness. My poem, Angels at Ralpindi, builds off the artwork of Saks Afridi's Space Mosque, where robotic angels are spun out of the sigh flash of paradise and where these angels prey on the ground and they receive their first touch of minerals and microorganisms. But Rawal Pindi is also the ancestral home of my father's family in Pakistan where they fled during partition. So it's also personal to me. Another sister text is Vandana Singh's Ambiguity Machines and Other Stories published by Small Beer Press in 2018. Drawn from the storytelling traditions of the epics, the Ramayana and Mahabharata and Islamic lore, Singh's work reveals fantastic planetary infrastructures with wild techno machines. Singh explores the attributes of late capitalism, how various species interact with techno culture and adapt to accelerating climate change. There are characters who are scientists that work with biomimicry, looking to existing ecosystems for bio-friendly innovations, while other characters seek vengeance for the violent incursions of empire, the destruction in the wake of interplanetary wars. Singh also has some great titles, such as Somadeva, a river sutra, and Life Pod. She performs hilarious reformations of concepts from science, philosophy, and cosmology. One character, a physicist named Sujata, starts the Anti-Occam's Razor Society because she finds the notion that the simplest solution, uh, that, that the simplest solution would explain any phenomenon is a dull, dull thing. In other words, our interactions with technology is complex in Singh's stories. Other characters have mechanical bodies and shift gender over hundreds of years. Such gender fluid bots and sentient detectors appear in my book, Daughter Isotope, as well. In my poem, Mahadevi Malware, I imagine the goddess Kali as a computer virus. Net Mama's got gamma rays in her marmalade. She's eating primal lava like raw meat. Net Mama says rags and migrants are the materials of wartime. Speaking of world building, Bishak Sum, my next fave, is a graphic artist and author of Apsara Engine from Feminist Press 2020. She started out as an architect in New York City. Her work charts the texture and life of cities, both ancient and futuristic, through living maps and cartographies. Her cityscapes have a liquid, melting, organic feel, fleshy, feminine, a 
horizontal interactivity with the environment and the people, not the towering vertical of the skyscraper eclipsing people and trees and glasses of wine. Bishak also has characters that reappear in different timelines and situations. They may look the same, but their names might be different, or their names might be the same, but they have different situational histories. It's fun and uncanny. This is Bishak's sense of the multiverse, where past, present, and future converge in unusual ways. I've collaborated in poetry comics with Bishak. Her work has been very influential on my own multiverse tendency, where there is always another me in a parallel universe, lunging in warrior asana or crouched in an obscene squat. That's from my poem, The Book of Books, and it has a tingling sympathy with Bishak's swan dive, in which two queer, queer Desi characters meet as friends and lovers across different locations and times across the U.S. and India, introducing themselves to each other over and over again in various quasi-utopias, past and future. Goddess spots, animal, god hybrids, all sorts of creatures abound in her stories. So just like fiction, world building happens in poetry too. Hari Aluri is a poet who lives in Canada. He is the author of The Flayed City, Kaya Press, 2017, a brilliant book. But I want to talk about his, most re his more recent work. He writes a series of poems that perform a counter-narrative of the epic Mahabharata from the perspective of Eklavya, a Nishad boy who lives in the jungle. Eklavya is a minor character in the Mahabharata, which focuses on kings and mighty players, the big players of empire. Aluri generates the world of the jungle with poems from the consciousness of trees, jackals, as well as people, Eklavya's world. In this work, Aluri critiques the ongoing violence of empire on forms of indigenous knowledge and life ways. Eklavya's skills as an archer rival the prince Urgen, the main hero of the story. When Drona, Urgen's great military guru, rejects training Eklavya because of his lowly status, Eklavya builds a statue of Drona as his guide and trains himself as an expert archer through meditating on the statue. In Mahal, which appears in Counterclock, Hari Aluri writes of this moment. Clay, wet against blade, its shape of seeming. Blade, my will-be lover, seeks the features of his guru with blade of this thumb he licks to bulbous them and smooth. In this poem, Aluri anticipates also the moment when Eklavia will cut off his thumb at Drona's request. The story is brutal. And it shatters me and shatters my ideas about the morality of the heroes of the Mahabharata. One day during a hunting expedition, Urgen discovers Eklavya's great archery skills by accident while he's wandering in the jungle. Eklavya tells Urgen that his teacher is Drona, though of course he's speaking of the statue. Drona has never actually trained him. Angry and envious of Eklavya's skill, Urgen returns to the forest with Drona, and Drona demands Guru Dakshina, 
a gift from Eklavia for being his guru teacher. He demands Eklavia's right thumb. Eklavia gives Drona his thumb, ensuring that Urgen remains the greatest archer as Drona has promised him. But Urgena's greatness is only achieved through this extreme violation. In gorgeous sensual language, Aluri is a master world builder with fantastic rhythms. In Pacifying Archery from Quiddity Journal, Aluri writes, I used to have a thumb God was afraid could hobble his chariot of inheritance. Each birth and death is finite, infinite precipices. May I bridge with my obsession, keep back the abyss. Archery means to hold, hold, relinquish, this jungle, my from. Some define peace as a palace our entrance disturbs. The space between release and pierce, wide enough to fit a life. As my final fave, I'd like to talk about Banu Couple's hybrid narrative, Humanimal, a project for future children, Kelsey Street Press, 2009. Kapil is a British Indian writer whose family is from Punjab. In this book, she returns to India with a French film crew to make a movie about the famous case of feral children, Kamala and Amala, two girls found living in the with wolves in Bengal, India in 1920 and raised by missionaries. Neither child thrive in their new environment. Like in Aluri's work, the jungle features heavily as a site of alternative knowledge and resistance to colonization. Couples' writing explores the residue of empire with vivid scenes of the Reverend Singh's attempt to convert Kamala and Amala into human children, a violent intervention that never quite takes. Balled up, her shaven head and spine visible through her skin, the wolf girl was a singular presence, almost butter yellow against the granular fabric of the Kodak paper. Couple relates the story of the wolf girls to her father's history in childhood and his eventual move to England. The legs. As a child, my father ate butter straight from the cow. Once, when his mother caught him red-handed at the churn, she beat him to blood with a bamboo cane. Couple's work gave me the fortitude to write about my father and daughter Isotope. Growing up, I always felt I could not write about my family, that it would be an act of betrayal. So I dedicate the poems Uranium Pellet Sutra, At Deathbed, and Migrant Domains from my book Daughter Isotope to Banu Couple. All in all, I want to make a case for writing that plays with time and place and occupies the space of the fantastic. Desi punk, Desi futurism, and the Desi fantastic terms that derive from Afrofuturist paradigms in the States. Afrofuturism has influenced and informed categories of other global futurisms, including Desi, South Asian futurism, and Latinx futurisms. Critic Itasha L. Womack argues that Afrofuturists redefine culture and notions of Blackness for today and for tomorrow. A scholar, Ryan D'Souza, elaborates, Desi futurism is not simply fantasy and escapism, but about survival, 
given the multiple dislocations of the South Asian diaspora across continents, Africa, the Americas, and Europe in the state of post-coloniality. Thank you. You've been listening to episode 49 of Desi Books. News and views about Desi literature from the world over. I'm your host, Jenny Bart. Thank you for tuning in. Today's Five Desi Faves segment was from Vidhu Agarwal, who has a hybrid poetry collection out titled Daughter Isotope. She's sharing her five favorite works of Desi punk, Desi futurism, and Desi fantastic works that engage in speculative poetics and alternative fantasy spaces. Episode 50 will be up shortly. Follow on Twitter at Desi Books, Instagram at Desi.Books, Facebook at Desi Books FB. Please tag the accounts if you have requests or suggestions. Email at thesebooks at thesebooks.co and please go to the website if you'd like to sign up for the free weekly newsletter. You'll get all the updates that you might have missed as well as some new stuff. Oh, and one little reminder, please do share this episode if you enjoyed listening to it. It certainly helps all the writers that little more if we do that. Stay healthy, keep reading, and write well.